0: Keep your children from
1: hey ding-dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, rejuvenated from her spa day at the Posh Wash, it's my sister Marissa.
0: I've given you everything, more than joy could bring this, I swear, and all that I want from you is a promise that you'll be there. I think I can handle that. Say you will be there. (laughs) That
1: was not the direction I was expecting you to go, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was just listening to that album, I'm not going to (laughs) lie, because I've had
0: iTunes open more because I've been looking for uh, reviews, which we have not been getting, which is fine. But, it's not fine. Review Drive. Yes. Everyone review us on iTunes. But like but as long as I have iTunes open, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I own like gigabytes of music that I never listen to anymore," right? <laughs> Cuz right. I'm like always streaming. So I'm like, "Oh, what's this? The Spice Girls' <laughs> first album?" Uh, yes, please. Ooh, if it you want to
1: be I'm into this. Yes. Yeah, well, and and you know, then she grew up to marry the arguably the most famous soccer player of all time. So isn't Pele the most famous soccer player of all time? I think David Beckham is probably the most famous European soccer player. Sure. Yeah. Um, But good, good call on Pele. You're probably right. So we're back talking about uh, chapter 42, Chillaxing, which is the uh, third episode in the fourth season of The Good Place. Uh, Before we get into the recap, just a little housekeeping up top. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. I showed uh, Listener Jeff our one-star review, and I was like, was this you? And he goes, no, I don't have iTunes. And I was like... (laughs) That is a problem, isn't it? And I was like, well... He didn't say, no, I would never give you a one-star review. <laughs> he said, no, I don't have iTunes. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you do have iTunes or you have some other app that allows you to rate and review us, please do so and we'll shout you out on the podcast. You know what's kind of crazy? What's that?
0: This is just a complete tangent. Sorry. What? That, How, our whole uh, show is complete tangents. <laughs> How podcasts and streaming video went in completely opposite directions. Like... Streaming video, basically the only place is YouTube, right? Like, not that there's nowhere else, but, like, functionally there's nowhere else, right? Everything is on YouTube. Podcasts, like, are... There is no central repository of podcasts. They're all hosted on their own servers. And then they're collated in places like iTunes or Stitcher. But those are just links to, like, where the podcasts really are. So it's kind of insane when you think about it that all the reviews of podcasts are kind of like stuck in iTunes like it's not a it, it doesn't necessarily make much sense right there should be the way that you could review a book on like goodreads or amazon or like bn.com or whatever like there Does should be amazon own goodreads yeah probably but <laughs> they didn't always own goodreads but like it's kind of nuts that like really the only somehow still the only place that matters that but is iTunes for podcasts? And yet, like, there are no podcasts, like, sitting on iTunes servers, per se, right? They're just linking. It doesn't. It's, it's weird.
1: I don't. I didn't know that we were going to get into the business side of things.
0: Well, there's no business, right? I mean, this is, we're just throwing money at something that we're,
1: <laughs> we're do- going to make money off of. We're doing it's this. It's not a business. It's a hobby. We're doing but this at a loss because we yes. love this show and we love all of you. Right. You can also follow and like us on Facebook. Uh, we have a group called The Good Play that's actually, you know, we're getting some more people. We're getting some more chatter. We have some some theories to talk about upcoming. Yeah, yeah we do. Uh, Twitter, you can find us at The Good Play Pod, uh, where Marissa live tweets every new episode. You don't want to miss that. It's a lot of fun. And you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. Do we have any emails this week? We have no emails. Okay. Send us Everything emails. is
0: Facebook and Twitter this week.
1: Ladies and gents, and others, demons, angels. It's National Coming Out Day, so ladies, gents, non-binary
0: people, and angels and demons and, and robots. Janet's, yes, you know, not a robot,
1: I guess. Janet has kind of become like a non-binary icon. We've talked about this in the past, yes, because she's not a lady. Yeah send us send us an email about your theories, because I have a lot of questions after this episode. Shall we get to the recap?
0: Yeah. Um, before I actually like get into it, I just think Do it's you want inter- to talk about that Bradley Whitford show again. Oh my goodness! Once again, <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought it up. You shouldn't have brought it up because I had successfully forgotten about it. But it, it. I'm just catching in like five minute snippets just the most cliched. Like I could have, I could have barfed this out, you know, at the age of twenty, just based on the. Things I had, the media had consumed to that point of, like, literally, like, the last five minutes of this one were, like, out of Sister Act, where the pretty blonde, what's her name? Carolyn Camp? Anna Camp? Anna Camp. Anna Camp? Anna Camp is, you know, singing at a, at a bar and she's all nervous, but then her friends in the audience are like, go girl. And so she, you know, she sings like, here you come again, you know, which already is like a very questionable choice for her character to be singing because she's like divorced, which I, again, I only know this from the last five minutes of every episode. So here's my prediction. No, and No. and Bradley Whitford is like watching her in the audience. And I was like, If they make the two of them a thing, he is, like, over twice her age. It is not acceptable. I don't... There there was no, like, overt, but I was like, mmm, don't do it. And then... And then in the in the last scene, Bradley Woodford's telling her, like, no, like, you're a soloist. Like, you go stand out front and you're gonna be... And I was like, this is from Sister Act. This is when Whoopi Goldberg says to the novice, like, you know, like, basically support your diaphragm or whatever. And now, like, now you're gonna be singing lead.
1: Like... Uh, here's my prediction uh uh-huh by the end of the you know winter hiatus or whenever they break this season for the good place you are going to be truly unironically invested (laughs) in what is happening i hope you were gonna say it will have been canceled the bradley whitford in my head it's just called the (laughs) fighting
0: temptations (laughs) (laughs) because the fighting temptations was like a movie about a Church choir. I think Queen Latifah was in it. I'm not totally sure. Do you know what I'm talking about? I would much rather watch Queen Latifah. As anything. would we all. <laughs> but in my head, that show was called The Fighting Temptations, and I want nobody to correct me. I,
1: you're going to be unironically invested. This I is, am. This is this is like every other thing <laughs> that we ironically start paying attention to, and all of a sudden we're buying. $100 Michael McDonald tickets at the last minute. <laughs> uh, we did. T- I mean, you definitely did I definitely that. did do that. I bought them well ahead of time. <laughs> you know that meme that's been going around of like, what's your concert history? And like you fill it out. Oh, I did that. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't fill it out because one of the questions is like, artist you've seen most often and mine is legit. Michael McDonald. <laughs> Probably.
0: I'm sure that mine is too. Right? Yeah. I mean, I've seen him at least three times with you, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, I yeah, went yeah, a fourth
1: yeah. time by myself.
0: <laughs> I mean, was at least three times with you. It was once in Bethesda, once in upstate New York, and once in uh, Camden. That's right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Michael <laughs> McDonald. Guys, Michael McDonald is great live. He's a treasure. He's, he's so good live. <laughs> I mean, he he's still... He's got it, guys. He's he brings still, it. He's still got it.
1: What if he guest stars on...
0: The Fighting temptation. <laughs> oh, Temptations. Are you kidding me? That's appointment television. <laughs> you, you, you would be like,
1: I changed my
0: opinion. <laughs> this is the greatest thing to ever happen to television. No, I would watch that one episode and then I would be back to hating it at five minute increments. It's
1: like the way that I only like the Christmas episode of Studio 60 because they have the brass instrumental for the musical guest. And it's beautiful.
0: So he just stole that from West Wing and plucked it and plopped it down into Studio sixty.
1: Um, there was what a, a pl- hack. <laughs> there was a plot line about um, musicians after it was after Hurricane Katrina and musicians were like looking for work. So the regular pit musicians were giving up their seats from for uh, musicians from New Orleans. What a hack! I Sorkin. thought it was heartwarming. You know, but
0: that's just Come on, it's, working, it's just Come on I mean Come on Okay, well This was a full year after Katrina, by the way Studio 60, I'm like 98% sure that Studio 60 premiered in 2006 And Katrina was in 2005
1: Well, maybe they were in production? I guess it doesn't matter. Let's get into the (laughs) recap. No, this is what I
0: wanted to say before you distracted me with the Fighting Temptations. Welcome to the world's premiere uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip (laughs) recap podcast. No! Neither Brent nor
1: Simone even appears in this episode. Yes, thank you! That was weird, yo. It was very weird, and it kind of it's diluted. making me wonder
0: if they if their shooting schedule is broken up so that do you know how like so the only example i can think of off the top of my head is doctor who where they have like doctor light or doctorless episodes so that they can shoot two episodes at once you know so there's the one with the doctor all up in it and then there's one like the most fam- arguably the most famous episode of the of new who is blink have you seen that one
1: no i don't watch doctor who
0: Okay, a lot of people have just seen Blink with the Weeping Angels. I mean, I know uh, what the Weeping Angels are, but I don't... Sure. But it. that episode barely has the Doctor in it. The Doctor's in it for, like, four minutes, and it's an hour-long show, right? So they were able to film that whole episode almost without David Tennant's involvement. Or um, Martha Jones, I forget her, the actress's name. Um So that they could shoot two episodes simultaneously. And I'm kind of wondering, like, is that what's going on here? Are they, like, is their shooting schedule all forked up so that they are shooting this episode that doesn't have... Brent and Simone are not even, like, in the background. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed that. They're not even, like, at the luau.
1: No, I know! Like, it's like they've disappeared off the face of the earth, like... Except it's not as if Brent and Simone are, like, having two-hander scenes elsewhere... In a previous episode, like it's possible it happens next week. Oh my but goodness! But that's a
0: good that's a good point. Like, but I don't. That was the only explanation I could come up for with like the, why, what, yeah, <laughs> why would they not? Why would they not be appear at all? And in fact, like I'm going to weave this into the the recap. But like. It's kind of a problem for me that Simone doesn't appear in this episode at all.
1: I agree. And Brent as well. Because, well, I have this in the, in the discussion section and we can get to it. But I thought it was sort of weird that, I guess up front I'll say, I thought it was kind of weird that we ended this episode with everybody thinking like, oh, we're on the right path. It's like, well, we have barely spent any time with these people and we have barely seen anybody. So how do we know that everybody's on the right path? I don't think any of this is on the right path. Um I mean I think that the the logic of that is that we took care of Simone and Brent last week. And in fact maybe questionable que- <laughs> questionable. I got a big old question mark next to that. Well sure, but emoji they're trying to be with the
0: with the party hat on. <laughs> <Party hat. laughs> they're trying to be optimistic and I guess like you could say maybe last week and this week were the episodes that were being shot in tandem somehow. Maybe. Because now I, I don't know how that works with like the principals because they are being used everything. just as much right yeah but like certainly brent is in last week a bunch and in this week not at all and simone is in last week a bunch and this week not at all and like john is in last week not at all again like john doesn't even make an appearance so the all ol- the other thing this could possibly be i guess is like a pay scale thing maybe so like i and i am like the last person to ask about this but like there's a difference between being a series regular and being like you're have, you're like an appearing on or like a recurring character, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a difference mm-hmm. between. I, and I think these are like standard. And again, like I'm pulling this out of my tuches, but like you're <laughs> out like of your Ash, yes, but like you're, you know, obviously, you know. William Jackson Harper, Kristen Bell, Ted Danson, etc. Like they are series regulars, they appear in every episode, which is why even when, you know, it seems like something terrible is going to happen to them, we're not really actually that worried because we right. know they're going to be back. They're not paying Ted Danson to be a series regular so that he can not appear, right? Right. But I wonder if the the other humans are like recurring characters instead of series regulars so that they make it very they are like very deliberately not included in every episode so they don't have to pay like series regular scale.
1: Maybe, but then that I wonder. I this we're like already in the discussion section, but I, I know. I'm sorry, we're a little backwards this week, but it's okay. Yeah, I would say that like I would assume that they would be like super front loaded on the front half because spoils, spoilsies for the ends of for the end of this episode, but like something's coming. And so I would assume <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, something's coming and I would assume that whatever's coming is going to blow the whole premise out of the water and that we were going to get all of our time with this like weird new foursome out of the way in the first few episodes and then get back to like the real business next week. But if that's the case, then like, you know, why bring they must have a part to play later on down the road then if they're yes, like they rationing must. them.
0: Yes, throughout the I agree.
1: Season.
0: And like now that I'm saying it out loud, I think it's much more likely that it's a pay scale thing rather than like a tandem shooting schedule thing because two two reasons. One, the principals like their time can't be split like that, right? So yeah. I I don't know how you really do that. And two, they only have one set for that neighborhood, right? Like you can't shoot now, like, there's various parts of that set. Like, if they're shooting with Brent inside the yogurt shop, maybe they could simultaneously be shooting, you know, Cheezy in his house. But, uh, you know, it's not as if it's Doctor Who. We're like, well, here we're, you know, we're shooting in Wales over here and we're shooting in Scotland over here. Right. I'm sorry, British people. I <laughs> I assume that. Those are reasonable places to be shooting Doctor Who. I don't actually know. You're probably right. I mean, it's like a well, like there's like a lot of Welsh connections in Doctor... I'm not going to get it. This is not the Doctor Who cast, nor is it the Studio 60 cast. Nor is it the Fighting, fighting temptations. temptations cast. <laughs> it's allegedly... The Michael McDonald cast? <laughs> oh,
1: that's right. He came from somewhere back in a long ago. I mean, Sheedy kind of does come from somewhere back in Eleanor's long ago. So. Wow. And Eleanor is a sentimental fool. <laughs> and she does rise to his apology in this episode. Wow. I think
0: I think someone was listening to what a fool believes while they wrote the script. <laughs> Shall we get into the recap now that we've been talking for 45 minutes? I, I guess. Um, Alright, I'm teasing. The the episode opens on Michael and Eleanor having a discussion about okay. Cheedy is, you know, going to teach Brent ethics, and this is going to be great, and you know it's working, right? And then they see Cheedy come up, and can we just, for can we talk wardrobe in this episode? Can
1: we? Everybody looks <laughs> great. He looked amazing. That color was amazing on him. It's like a Tiffany blue. It's so nice. Like a lit.
0: And I'm not great with with materials, but I think it was like a linen button yeah. down, like a very summery button down in that Tiffany's blue that I was like, just staring at it. Like, Oh my God. Like, he looks great. Why have I been settling, you know, for anything less than my TV husband? <laughs> 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 so, oh, so wonderful. And he's got that
1: hat. That's like sort of jauntily on sort of a
0: Jason Mraz kind of hat. I wasn't totally into that hat.
1: <laughs> <Jason> Mraz. <laughs>
0: And so they're like, oh, yeah, how's your uh, how's your ethics class at Brent? And Chidi's like, oh, you know, Brent uh, told me multiple times he went to Princeton and he got a B plus in moral values at Princeton having gone to Princeton. So eh, not so much with teaching Brent. And Eleanor and Michael are kind of like, uh-huh well I think a true Kantian such as yourself and Cheety's like yeah I think Kant would look at a day like today and say who's up for some frisbee golf and it's like oh no like <laughs> what is this version of Cheety? this like carefree summer sun like everybody loves Cheedy <laughs> version of Cheety. yeah really so you know they go back to the office and Mike- <laughs> this is pretty funny Michael's like never seen Cheety like that he's chillaxing, which is a word I just invented, combining cheaty and relaxing. That had me rolling. that was so funny. <laughs> His delivery is great. Yes. So it's like, well, why is he acting like this? And it's like, oh, because he's not saddled, he's not being tortured, right? <laughs> like, effectively, you know, if, if we all think back to season one, episode one, when Eleanor realizes that she's not supposed to be there, and she immediately confesses to let that's like the end of episode one. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that hasn't happened to this version of Cheedy, And so he's just like, la dee da, like I'm in love and it's a sunny day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like he's got, there's, he's got no worries. So he's just skating through life. Now, like here's, uh, I don't know. Should I insert my complaint about Simone here? The fact that she's, she should have been there. She yeah. She should have been there. Like, why is he off having a picnic? Surely he's not having a picnic by himself, right? It that was sort of like crazy. this
1: gaggle of Janet baby extras in the background. Was it? I didn't even notice. Yeah, because he goes so after he says goodbye to Michael and Eleanor, he goes back and he's like, "Hey guys, I gotta tell you this cool joke I just told about Kant." So like, he has oh, a I group of that. That's Yeah, funny. he has a group of people with him, but they're all kind of in the background. They're like extras, basically. So they're, I think, supposed to be Janet babies.
0: Yes, I mean, I would assume so, but like. I'm just so confused by this because, like, he's supposed to be helping Simone. Like, that's the task that Eleanor put on him at the end of the last episode. So why would he not have Simone come to this picnic? Why is Simone not involved in the ethics class? Like, why is... I mean, I don't even think her name is uttered this whole episode. It's as if she was whooshed away. It's very weird. Yeah, I agree. The A plot of this episode basically is Michael and Eleanor torturing Chidi. <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. I got some I got some thoughts about <laughs> Michael. And the B plot is Tahani honestly trying to help John. Like Tahani is has the purest motives of anyone in this episode. Like yeah. far and away. Like she's just like I've done a lot of research. And I think I have a tack that I'm going to take. And I'm going to, like, really treat John really well. And, you know, I'm going to figure all this out. And so she starts with, you know, she's talking to Janet and saying, you know, like, I think that John, you know, was so mean to celebrities because he felt excluded. So let's, let's, you know, take him for like a super exclusive spa day at a replica of Victoria Beckham's private spa,
1: the Posh Wash. Oh, my God. So good. Yes. I also loved John. I thought he was great. Yeah, I was like, oh, I I would spend time with John. Me too.
0: <laughs> of, of all the people in this scenario, I would spend time with John. Me he too. would be fun. Me too. I mean, I would just like to just be a fly on the wall when Tahani and John are talking to each other. Yes. <laughs> it would be so much fun. In the A plot, Eleanor and Michael are like, how do we torture uh, uh Jason, of course. <laughs> so they're like, Jason... You have to, we you know, we need your help. And there's, is this the peanut butter thing? Yeah, Is it in here? Yeah. So. I have a question about that too. So Jason, the, the joke here is that Jason thinks that they're helping him to open a jar of peanut
1: butter. Sorry. They're, they're asking they're, him for help. Yeah. To open yes. They're butter. asking
0: him for help to open a jar of peanut butter. And, and it's a weird joke. It's like a really weird joke and it kind of keeps going on. And in fact, what they're asking for him is to go, you know, Pulled the same thing on Chidi that he pulled on Eleanor for real in the first season, right? Which is like, I'm not really a monk, you know. I'm here by mistake. Meanwhile, you know, Tahani and John are dishing on all the hot goss. And <laughs> <laughs> do you want to let's 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 do a little dramatic reenactment? Okay, I loved this so much. Okay, okay. I'll be I'll be Tahani. Okay. Our story begins when I ran into Robbie Williams, Heidi Klum, and the remaining members of Fifth Harmony at the Dolce & Gabbana Spring Show.
1: Hate him, loathe her, over them, cancel it. Tell me everything. <laughs> it was just so,
0: it was so great, it was so funny.
1: I don't know what Fifth Harmony is. It's they're a singing
0: group. I mean, I guess
1: I intuited that much. So there used to be five of them. One of them left to have a solo career. That's why she says the remaining members. Okay. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) So then after Tahani has kind of softened John up, she says, oh, you know what? Like the, the hot celebrity thing was to do was to go take an ethics class, like a colonic (laughs) for your soul. And (laughs) do you want to do John's line? (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Would I like to use my time in heaven to audit a philosophy class? Um, no. You stay crazy, girl. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yup, pretty much. Which is the exact answer that Jason had in the first season. And to mm. a degree, even though she asked for the lessons in the first place, the same uh, answer that Eleanor had in the first and in the second season. <laughs> <laughs> I And in the third to... season,
0: when yeah. she's doodling burritos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, like, no, I probably would be like, is there a linguistics class I can audit? Do you know what I mean? Like, right. philosophy's not really my speed. Yeah. So in the A plot, Eleanor takes Jason to Chidi's place and says, you know, he's having a hard time because he's a, you know, a, a, a monk who has declined, you know, taken a vow of silence. He's having a hard time integrating in the neighborhood so can you help? And Chidi says something like, "You know, I you know, I, I promise I'll I'll treat him like my brother." And Eleanor's like, "Oh, from a strict Conti and such as yourself, a promise is is the most ironclad thing in the universe." Wow, thanks so much. Is this where she's wearing that amazing card? The first of the amazing, amazing card? No, no,
1: that's when she comes to check on him later. Okay, because there's two amazing cards, two amazing cards in this episode. I agree, and a whole bunch of really amazing Lua outfits. Lou outfits? Yes. Lou outfits? No. Okay. So
0: she leaves and shuts the door, and Jason immediately goes into the same speech that he gave Eleanor the first time, which is like, Shut up! I'm not Gian Yu! I'm Jason Mendoza from Florida! Help! Right? You gotta help me out, homie. Yeah, Yeah. and Chidi's like, Ugh, stomach ache. (laughs) So Jason has like holed up, like a week passes, and Jason has holed up in Chidi's apartment in his bud hole. And he's, like, having a great time, and Chidi is
1: losing his mind. Which, side note, how did he get all that stuff when he doesn't want to talk to Janet?
0: Oh, wow, good question.
1: Yeah, maybe, plot hole. Maybe don't if he had Chidi order it for him.
0: But how would he... Uh, yeah, I guess he could explain it to Chidi as, like, I don't want to break character in front of Janet, so can you get this yeah, stuff maybe. for me? Although, I don't know if Chidi would go along with that. Is it possible that... that when Janet was setting up the neighborhood that she set up Jason's apartment so that it had an unlimited stash of like Funyuns
1: or whatever I bet you she did because she yeah. loves him yeah Aww. yeah we gotta talk about Janet too I I know there's a lot to cover yeah. all right so
0: so Eleanor and Michael pop by to kind of see is this where the cardigan yes, is this the cardigan yellow, number one yellow
1: it the is yellow cardigan
0: beautiful she's wearing this beautiful goldenrod cardigan over like a like a button-down shirt. Well, all you see is the collar, right? So it could... I don't know what's what the collar is for. But it is such... It's such a beautiful color. She pulls it off so well. And it, it just makes her look, like, so super
1: professional. Like, oh, uh, Eleanor. Michael and Michael has a matching goldenrod uh, bow tie.
0: Oh, uh, so great. So they kind of pop their head in and Chidi's like... Uh, on the edge <laughs> to be like hey are you gonna go to you know like can you take uh, Jian Yu to the luau and she's like oh I wasn't gonna go to the luau and Eleanor's like oh what's your conflict and he's like see you at the luau yeah because <laughs> like, he's not gonna lie to her it's rough yeah so they go to the luau everyone goes to the luau except, except Brendan Simone Brandon. <laughs> mm. and Janet and Tahani have like a tete-a-tete about The fact that John is, you know, that Tahani keeps being like, hey, let's do ethics. And John keeps being like, no. So Janet says, look, when John was alive, like, he didn't pull any punches. So, like, don't pull any punches with him. Good advice. So it's kind of good advice. It kind of, I don't know, it kind of doesn't work. Tahani does try going up to John and saying, like, hey,
1: what does she say exactly? She said, your blog, you have to like face facts that like your blog hurt people the things that you wrote hurt people and he was like what are you talking about girl and she's like i gained five pounds and you called me to hammy all the meals (laughs) that's right oh god and she's like you were so mean to daniel day lewis that he quit acting and like all these things and and john gets very defensive and basically says like I don't have issues. You're the one with issues. I had to work for a living. Yeah, that was the most interesting thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: That he he said, you know, I built myself up from nothing, and I had to spend 16 hours a day writing, you know, dishy blog posts, basically just to make a living. And you were handed everything, right? Which is like that can be true. While it can also be true that you were incredibly mean, right? Like they're
1: they're basically unrelated. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Meanwhile, but he does this great like, thing when he when he razzes her that or like when he kinda digs at her. When he when he like does a flushing motion and he's like, That's another deuce for the gossip toilet, because that was the name ugh, of his blog. Ugh.
0: ugh <laughs> I've had forgotten that. Thank you. <laughs> Eleanor asks Jason, like, hey, you know, how's it going with Chidi? And Jason's like well, it's easy, but I think we should back off of Cheaty. And Eleanor's he calls like, her no.
1: E-Dog. It's so cute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Eleanor's like, no, 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 no. The more miserable he is, the more he'll teach you, then everyone, then he'll save humanity. Which is like, but it's pretty easy to tell. And it's not like, uh, this is deliberately written into the episode this way. Like, it's pretty easy to tell that her motives are not actually that pure, right? Yeah. That like, she's getting something else out of this. Yeah. So Eleanor and Michael tell all the guests at the Luau that they have a special... Everyone... I love that they get to just make up these things now that Michael used to make up in season one. Like, it's kind of fun to see from the torturer's side, like, oh, you know, we know all these things are going on, so, like, let's pull the strings in this way. Like, it is kind of fun. Yeah, it is. So they're like, we have these like lava stones. And if you if you throw them into the bonfire, it'll reveal your true desire. And so the, a Janet baby throws in her stone and she gets a turtle. And she says, oh, it's my childhood turtle, Shell Turtlestein. <laughs> to which I was watching and I go, he's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason's like, I want to throw mine in. And Chidi's like, you absolutely cannot throw yours in. And Chidi, And Jason's like, I'm going to do it. And like, by the way... It works. Do you know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? Like, I I still, and we've we've talked about this so many times in the past, and we're just never going to resolve this. But like, to what extent does the quote unquote magic in this neighborhood actually work? And in this case, it seems like it works. Like Jason (laughs) says to Cheezy. My heart's desire is, like, this motorcycle I used to have that has Pam Anderson stenciled on it on the side or whatever. Yeah. And he throws his thing in, and that's what he gets. Like, (laughs) maybe it's just what you're thinking you want, but that's still, like, they have mind-reading technology.
1: (laughs) Like, that's not nothing. Yeah, we talked about this a lot when we were doing the Guilty Knowledge Rewatch of Season 1. Like, how much of this was... Orchestrated and how much of it. Like that
0: plant! That freaking yes. plant! I was just
1: thinking about the Ugh. plant. I think we gotta let this one go and just. I know! I know! Understand but... that it's there for plot reasons. Yeah.
0: So Jason manages to huck the stone into the pit. He does not
1: say Bortles.
0: <laughs> he doesn't. Well, I guess because Bortles isn't with the Jaguars anymore. I guess so. He can't yell Bortles anymore.
1: No! Portals! And... <laughs>
0: And the motorcycle does appear and then Chidi has to, well, he doesn't have to, but Chidi does lie to cover for Jason and, you know, basically is like, that's the motorcycle I always wanted with Pamela, Canadian television actress, Pamela Anderson
1: on it.
0: And then like Chidi gets on it and he like is like scooting it away because he's obviously never ridden a motorcycle. It's so cute. Eleanor and Michael are in the architect's office being like, uh, and Eleanor's like, yes, like, Chidi's miserable. Like, this is going great. And then Chidi comes in and says, like, I have a secret. He starts hyperventilating. And Eleanor, like, is obviously, like, psyched. Like, yes, like, this is working. And then he says, you know, I have an unsolvable problem. And he says, I know this is ridiculous because this is paradise. But, like, I
1: kind of feel
0: like, I'm being
1: punished. And he very importantly, I think says, I know you guys would never do something like this to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like, I, you know that like, this is karma coming back to me and Eleanor just breaks down in tears. And this is the line of the episode for me. (laughs) Where she says, Oh no, I made God cry. (laughs) Right. And like, Michael does damage control, you know, saying like, Look, you know, architects are extremely invested in the people in their neighborhoods. And so it's just very upsetting to her that, you know, you're having this, this, this problem or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) Eleanor's like, I promised I'd take care of you. And Chidi's like, you did? And Michael's like, yes, like, this is the architects. mm -hmm, This is the promise that they make. So Michael kind of pulls out his demon side a little bit. And is like, hey, I can make any problem go away just by exploding it. Don't worry about it. Like, he explodes a vase as yeah, like as an example. And Chidi's like, yeah, it's the motorcycle. I thought I wanted it, but I don't want it. And Michael's like, no problem. He waves a hand and it explodes. And we cut to Jason, who's, like, happily caressing the motorcycle and it explodes. And he's like, not again, because the because story with this motorcycle run. is that it, he exploded it with lighter fluid the first time.
1: Yes. Because someone wanted to see what would happen if you put lighter fluid in the gas tank. Was that someone you... Yes. What happened? <laughs> it exploded just like I thought it would. <laughs> Meanwhile,
0: Tahani is like, this isn't really working with John. What am I doing wrong? She talks to Janet and Janet is super unhelpful. I ha- uh,
1: Something is... I
0: know. Happening. <clears throat> yes. So, okay. Janet says, like, hey, you should punch him in the face. And Dahani's like, I don't, mm, no, I don't think that's right. (laughs) Like, mm, yeah. She, she says, you know, like, I, you know, I, she, it was, it was something you know, she kind of comes, she comes to the realization verbally of being like, you know, John was always on the outside and he was miserable and lonely while I was always, always on the inside and I was miserable and lonely. She starts
1: by saying, maybe this will never work because we're two different people. He spent his life in the bowels of the internet by himself, lonely, miserable, no friends. And I spent my life in the upper echelons of society. And then she realizes lonely miserable no friends so there's her in right is that they both were on the outside looking in but just from different sides of society the class, yeah and then she says i know what i'm gonna do and then janet like makes
0: her a pair of boxing gloves and Tony's like no no <laughs> no not that so she goes and finds john and john is like still very much has his hackles up and she tells him a story about like being invited to like a Blake Lively's birthday party on a yacht.
1: And he's like making fun of her for it the name Paul dropping. It was Paul Allen's yacht. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who gave millions of dollars for Ebola treatment. Anyway. Uh, God rest him. Yeah. So, and she talks about how she had like the
0: access to like this, the, the inner sanctum of the inner sanctum. And she went in there and she was alone and she stayed there alone the whole time And she says, "If all you care about in the world is the velvet rope, you'll always be unhappy, no matter which side you're on. You and I are proof of that. But now we're here, and he and John apologizes, and they like go for a walk together. And it's It's
1: very sweet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he like puts his arm out, and she takes him by the arm, and they walk away. And it's like, all right, this is great. Like they can be like this is a great. She needs a friend, quite frankly. She doesn't really like Eleanor. Eleanor's too overworked. Jason's too stupid." Janet is glitching <laughs> and uh, Cheezy is mind wiped. So like this, is, she's got a friend now. This is great. Yeah. yeah. So the next day Cheezy tells Jason, we're going to start studying ethics instead of just, you know, trying not to get caught. <laughs> and Jason says, you're amazing. You're like the Pam Anderson boob motorcycle of people. And Cheezy says something like that is the greatest compliment anyone's ever <laughs> given me or something like that. He also said, like,
1: I've always wanted to get better. That's why I kept going to the free clinic. (laughs) And then she's like, I'm revising my entire
0: syllabus based on that one comment. Oh, my (laughs) God. So, (laughs) you know, the last sort of substantive scene of the episode is Michael and Eleanor kind of talking after all this and Eleanor saying, look, I went too far I was enjoying torturing Chidi because I'm mad at him for leaving me. And I know it's irrational. And I know that he did it for the betterment of all of humanity. And I feel guilty about it, but I'm mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> like, which I was like, oh, gosh, hashtag relatable. Oh my God. Totally. Like, totally relatable. And Michael's like, I get it. It's okay. But you got to get your shirt together. And Tani says... Comes in and says, I've made progress with John. Like, ethics lessons are not his speed. But, like, I think we're just going to work on, like, you know, true friendship or whatever. It's great. Genuine human connection. And Eleanor's like, hooray. Like, everything is going great. And then we cut to... I I don't know what this is. We cut to... We see... You know how, like, an old-timey, like old timey like the 19th century railroad that there would be like people on like a little cart like Like a a hand hand cart cart. like or like you see like you know like a mine train like pumping on this like like basically a seesaw pumping on one end of a seesaw to like move a train with a
1: hand cart there's no train attached to it i don't think is there not there wasn't in this I didn't okay. see one anyway. Fair enough. So we see the train tracks that go I mean like we zoom
0: and it's hard to it, it's very fast, but we zoom and we see like Mindy's neighborhood and we see the good place and we see other places. The the quote-unquote good place, right? The the experiment place. And there's just this hooded mysterious figure on a handcart pumping the handcart whooshing towards the experiment place and
1: then it's like cut to black. <laughs> yeah, do you want to start there? Yeah, please, by all means, go ahead. Okay. So that's the end of the episode. Who is this hooded figure? Great question. Many theories uh, going around. Uh, we actually had a little bit of a, of a discussion going on in our Facebook group about this. Mm hmm. Some people think that it's real Michael. That is a definite theory. Ian put on Twitter that he thinks it's real Jet. That could also be a theory. Although why would she be hand-carting there when she could just appear? Is that can she No, she can't do that. She can't move between neighborhoods
0: magically. I mean, no? that's why she that's why the train exists. I guess that's true.
1: Yeah, it could be real Janet. The real Michael, uh somebody was saying that Michael, this Michael, the Michael that we've seen is Vicky in a human suit and the real Michael in a, is in a Michael suit. <laughs> Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, Vicky in a Michael suit and uh, the real Michael is making his way back to the neighborhood. Which might, you know, Michael was a little... Like, I know he and, and Eleanor had that heart-to-heart last episode and had also had, like, a really nice conversation in this episode. But there were a couple things that were off about the way he was acting in this episode. Like what? At, at least to me. So I wrote something down. This could have just been played for laughs. But... Michael at the beginning, well, first of all, Michael is the one who says, like, we need to torture Cheaty which <laughs> sounds an awful lot like the Michael that we used to know. But he also, at the beginning of the episode, says it's, they're talking about Cheaty at the very beginning. And he says, it's so great he erased his memory, but it's also quite sad. Like, he, he's like, oh, it's so great he erased his memory. And then he takes a beat and he's like, but it's also quite sad for you, in a way that I always think about and respect a lot. Like, it's almost like he caught himself being like... Less sympathetic than he sh- than he should have been. yeah, Right. Or something like, oh, I have to pretend that I'm sad about this. And also interesting to me that he said it's so great he erased his memory. I know that he probably is talking about cheaty in both senses. But like, the first he could also be Michael, right? Because Michael erased cheaty's memory. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I'm being a little, what's your thing? Epileptic trees. But like, yeah. between that and like him sort of saying, oh, we'll just explode your problems. And like, oh, we have to torture Chidi because, and even at the end, when Eleanor is like, what have I been doing with Chidi, Ele, uh, You know, Michael's like, we tortured him because that's what we had to do. But they didn't really have to do it. So, you well, know. Well, they did have to do something, right? Well, they had to do something, but like. You know, in last episode is proof to me that he was willing to help Simone without being tortured into doing it. So you right, just... but she's not appearing in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I just mean, like, there could have been other ways in, and they chose this one, and it seemed like Michael was kind of behind it. So, I, you know, if this is real Michael making his way back and this is Vicky in a human suit, like, I think they might be leaving some breadcrumbs for that. Also possible that it's real Janet because Janet was acting super weird in this episode. Um, She definitely was, but like, I
0: I don't... And I'm sure that if this is what's been going on that we're going to get a satisfying explanation. But from my point of view, it's like, the real Michael and the real Janet went into the train car with Chris the mailman. Okay? And I don't know how... You have only one of real Michael and Janet replaced, right? Like,
1: you think they're both something? Is wrong well, I or... just don't
0: know. How, like, if it was just Michael replaced, Janet would have been like, got off the train and been like, "Hey, everyone, that's not the real Michael." Right. Right. No, <laughs> like, you're right, and vice versa. I. Uh, but here's the other thing: as far as them both being replaced, Janet is running the entire neighborhood, right? If Janet got conked over the head and thrown into a burlap sack, then, like, how has the neighborhood been running? Right. And we've already seen that bad Janets don't do particularly well trying to be good Janets. Now, it's possible that they activated a new new Janet or took a neutral Janet and put her into this role, but, like, why and how does she have all the backstory?
1: I guess they can load her with all the information, but, like, to what end? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't, I think that's a good point that, like, if it was just one of them, then the other one, like, they know each other so well that the other one would probably but they were notice all, they something. Were both, I'm,
0: not, I'm not even being,
1: they were both physically there.
0: They went together into the train car. How do you conk one of them over the head and stuff them in the burlap sack without alerting the other one? Unless one of them went, I mean, like, why, and why would they separate once they were on the train? It's not like one of them's like, I'm going to go up to the front and like, say hi to the engineer. Like, there is no engineer. It's just Bad Janet.
1: Right. Unless, and and Bad Janet was on the Platform. platform.
0: With Eleanor, giving Eleanor a hard time.
1: Right. So like,
0: I know everybody is super suspicious. And I think given what this show tends to do, that it's... Good to be suspicious. And in fact, Ian tweeted at us saying that he thinks that the peanut butter thing was like the real good Janet trying to send a message to Jason, which would be incredible if true. Oh my gosh.
1: Because <laughs> right? he was like, who said that?
0: Yes, he was. Has peanut butter been a thing that I no! missed? No.
1: Well, that's the thing, right? If it was something, if it was
0: a callback, then it would be like, "Oh," <gasps> but it's not a callback. It's just a random thing.
1: Yeah, I can't figure out if it's, like, this show just is training us to... Yeah, try to look under every yeah, yeah corner. Um, a couple other theories for who this hooded figure is. Uh, some people think it's Trevor back from the void. I, can we please not? I like Adam Scott fine, but, like, I'm very tired of Trevor. Also, I think the fact that he got flung off the into space means that like ultimately he's ineffectual in this game. Like you know, he didn't he was just a pawn. Bleeding Cool had a theory that it's someone from another circle of the afterlife, a la Dante's Inferno. And, you know, we did get a nod to Dante's Inferno in the in the closing episode of last season, Pandemonium. So it's possible that, you know, someone is coming from somewhere else in the afterlife to help in some way. We don't know about any other places, but like. uh. I mean, except the actual bad place. Right. I was wondering, you know, is it Glenn? (laughs) We talked about that. Is Glenn defecting from Sean's? Yeah. I also was uh, just very quickly had a theory of like, what if it's somebody from the panel of people that we met at the good place last time that is defecting in their own way and saying like my colleagues are taking too long and I want to help you kind of like do a workaround. Dressed like the grim reaper? I don't know. I don't I genuinely don't know. Do you have any other theories? I don't know what the fork to think. I was just like what is this?
0: Why is why is death himself barreling towards Eleanor and Michael and all the rest? Like And I've just had this problem in my head of, like, people have been saying since the first episode that there was a switcheroo with Michael or Janet. And I'm like, I don't see how that's possible unless you switched both of them out. And if you switch both of them out, who's running the neighborhood? Like, I don't like none of this makes any sense to me. Like, unless you snatched Michael and reprogrammed Janet, which is that even possible?
1: I don't, it I don't know. doesn't
0: seem to have been... A, you know, remember when Janet was malfunctioning because she was so sad about Jason and Tahani? Yeah. Like, there wasn't, like, an option for, like, okay, just flick this switch. Like, it was like, no, you have to completely reboot her. There wasn't an option for, At okay, we At which point we'll just... we would
1: see in the sky, like, murder has been me. Yes, right.
0: I mean, I don't think she's been rebooted. I think that that's... I don't think... I mean, I, I, I guess it's not impossible... So, but, you know, if she had been rebooted, then the whole neighborhood would have come down. Even if it was only for five seconds. Yeah. The whole neighborhood would have shut down. Yeah. Right? So, like, if it's possible that the bad place somehow reprogrammed her and stole Michael, that's maybe the most plausible thing I can think. Although, like, let's be real here. Like, what? A- Why? Why? <laughs> Well,
1: we had this question about, like, why send in Chris the Mailman, right? Like, I think somebody on our Facebook page, was it Rossi on our Facebook page? I don't know. Let me check. Was basically like, you know, why why make, you know, sending in Chris the Mailman seems really obvious. And you and I talked about, like, there's some kind of shell game going on here, right? So... It's possible that like they sent him in there knowing that that was going to be their opportunity to do some kind of switcheroo, but I think you're right about Janet. Like, if if something was wrong with Janet... yeah, so then this is Rossi
0: on the on the Facebook page. It. If we're wondering why Sean would be so careless with Chris Baker, could it be that the whole purpose was to get caught and for the bad place trying to go to the good place to plant something there? Could Janet be bugged? So that's in it. So like, Janet still being. The same Janet, but having something sort of happen to her programming is maybe the most plausible thing going on
1: with Janet, potentially. And then yeah. mi-
0: maybe Michael has been replaced.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because, like, she comes back... She seems, like, awfully cold to Jason. Which is, I guess... You know, she was really stressed in the first episode, so, like, I can kind of see it. But the fact that she thought that a good... um Solution for John would be to punch him in the face. Seems like something that's not usually not... very janity.
0: Yeah, and the and the the dyed hair thing was weird. Right, there's a I... lot of a lot of weird weirdnesses.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, and I also I think I a little bit in this episode was feeling like it took us three episodes to get to this point. And I just kind of want it to get there. Do you know what I mean? Like, to the point where Team Cockroach thinks
0: everything's going okay?
1: Or just, you know, to... There's obviously... Like, for the past couple weeks, we've been like, this can't be all there is. Like, there's obviously (laughs) this other big... I don't want to even say big bad, because I don't know. But, like, big something that's barreling towards them. Quite Um, literally, yeah. So... Yeah, I'm a little antsy to figure it out, but any other thoughts on that or should we keep moving?
0: Keep moving. You had some other interesting things in here. Yeah, so
1: we talked about Suspicious Michael, we talked about Suspicious Janet, we talked about Jason hearing voices in the peanut butter jar. Um, Last couple of things. John, uh, you tweeted about this, but John leans pretty heavily into our ideas about improvement in a post-scarcity world he has a line, you know, He we talked before about how he tells Tahani that he worked 16 hours a day because he had bills to pay. Um, but he also had this great line where that, like, I could hear myself saying this also on, like, an off day. But he said, uh, you know, I'm so excited for our spa day. I mean, I know I can eat whatever I want and not gain weight. And the air is obviously perfect. And no one has any jobs or stress or problems. But... I just feel like I need this. (laughs) (laughs) I did love that. And he played it perfectly, but it is, he was really summing up that like, they are in this post scarcity environment. So he does not have to worry. Like he can afford to let his guard down around Tahani because he doesn't have to pay his bills with her around, you know, or uh, like the thing separating them
0: was money and class, uh, which are, slightly different things, and now there's no money and no class, so.
1: Right. Right. And he also, you know, can kind of, like, live in a world where he feels constantly like, rejuvenated, and so that's kind of nice, too. (laughs) I do still like that he says, I I just feel like I need this, because I'm like, I think I would probably feel that way, too. But yeah, I mean, it's the thing that we've talked about a hundred times, but I think is really important to the crux of the show, which is, you know, people make the decisions that they make because of the circumstances around them and the the environment in which they're brought up uh it's very rare that you have someone who isn't affected by those things and so you know john doesn't have the same sort of hurdles that our original four humans some of our original four humans did but i like the fact that they were. I. I actually thought that the way that they resolved the storyline between him and Tahani was very poignant, and I liked it a lot. I thought that was a nice. I did too. Button to that, and just, just to say, like, look, you know, I, you know, we're not so different, you and I, but like in a <laughs> in a really relatable way, and you can also tell how far Tahani has come because I think last episode, we oh were my saying, goodness, yeah, we were saying that like. I don't think she really understands the weight of this of this experiment, but, like, she really does because she clearly went out of her way to make sure that she was taking care of John and tried multiple things. I also love that she was, like, you know, he made fun of Gigi Hadid for going on a vacation in Bali, but then I looked at his uh, search history, and it, he looked up something called a discount hotel package. Yes. <laughs> Gave her That's a lot of... Great room to just be very high high class and then the last thing i wanted to bring up was my sort of i mentioned this earlier when we were talking about brent and simone like not really being in the episode but you know they kind of at the end of the episode are like all right we're on everybody all these she says like all these mofos are on the right track and i was like are they (laughs) i mean brent's Not Because we started the episode with Chidi going like, oh, he doesn't show up to class because he thinks he should be teaching the class and also he went to Princeton, so whatever. But we
0: assume that he is still doing this points thing. Sure. Like, he's basically, you know, on the down low doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing, which is, like, trying to rack up points.
1: Yeah, I guess. Uh, But then, you know, Simone, I think, again, you can make the argument we took care of her last week, but, like you know, she's just starting down this path. There's not a lot, there's not, there's no moment of like checking in with her, making sure she's like not. So weird. It's so
0: weird. Yeah. That we have a week of Jason hanging out with Chidi and like, there's never a moment where he's like, I have to explain to Simone why she can't come over.
1: Yeah. I mean, even something like that, or like just to check in with her to be like, hey, you haven't thrown anybody into the pool today, have you? No? Okay, great. <laughs> John is, you know, starting to make progress as a honey. I think that's really nice. But I was just sort of like, I don't feel, this doesn't feel like the victory that they're all making it out to be. But I think maybe they're just like thirsty for something because everything has been going wrong.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's early days yet, yeah, I yeah. think, for them. But out of the year, I think only like two weeks have gone by, maybe.
1: But I did, I mentioned this in our premiere episode recap. But Mike Schur had said something in the press tour about how the objective of the show had changed a little bit. And I, and I think this sort of idea of like having all these humans kind of get to quote-unquote good through different means instead of all coalescing in one ethics class and this is how you're going to improve. I think that might be indicative of the sort of larger point that Mike Schur is trying to make. You know, he he said, quote, I thought at the beginning that the show could, if given the chance, describe what it meant to be a good person. I think that objective kind of shifted a little bit because what we found as we discussed it and wrote it and executed it is that some very, very smart people over the last 3,000 years have had a lot of very different opinions about that question. So then he said he kind of says that they tweak their messaging to instead provide, quote, a bunch of options for how to be a good person. He says, what's important is that you try that became that became that was sort of my internal shift over the course of making the show was this newfound belief that the important thing wasn't actually and it's counterintuitive to say this being good the important thing is that you're trying right so that i could almost see cuz in the past few seasons we've had this group of people all you know sitting down in front of a chalkboard and you have a teacher saying this is how you be good There are, like, three different ways to do it, but they all come from this sphere of moral philosophy. I'm going to teach them to you, and here's how, like, you know, like, we're going to sit in a classroom and learn this. Meanwhile, you've got, in this season, John is making progress, not, specifically not through an ethics class, because he says, "Mm, no, I don't want to do that, but because he is making a genuine human connection with Tahani, you have Brent, who is, quote unquote, doing good because he thinks it's going to get him somewhere later down the, the line. The best place. The with, best place.
0: With Chachi and Joni or whatever.
1: Right. <laughs> Squirt man. And then you've got Simone, who isn't quite sure if it's, you know, if she's really doing the right thing, but she's sort of trying just in case it turns out to be relevant. It's right? like Pascal's
0: wager for the it afterlife. It is kind of, it's
1: like it's like well, what do I have to lose by being nice to people? I guess I guess so, right? And so you've got all you've got these three different sort of ways of looking at things and I wonder if that setup is related to what Mike Sher was talking about. It seems strongly related. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I would say that you're probably exactly right. I'm so uh, smart. Before <laughs> Before I wrap up, I will say that uh, I did get some listener feedback that uh, I am not very well versed in the story of Jesus, which
1: <laughs> shocking, shocking the two, the two Jews.
0: <laughs> I mean, you and I had a discussion about like, I think we got that from Dogma. We definitely did get that from Dogma. <laughs> yeah. Which is a great movie. It's great. I mean, it's got some like less good parts. Yeah. But on the whole, I really enjoy Dogma, and it has a part about I think Jesus finding out he's Jesus. I, I think. Well, so <laughs> it's been it's, a while since I saw it.
1: So it's, dogma. Um, I think it's Chris Rock's character talking to another character and saying like, "How long do you think it would take to come to like you find out you're the mm. son of God? How long do you think it would take to come to terms with that?" Yes,
0: that explaining why there's no, like testaments of teenage of jesus's, jesus of jesus's <laughs> life but well, basically between like he's born and then there's like a huge time skip and or he you know maybe when he's a little kid and then there's a, t- a huge time skip to basically like l- late young adulthood early 30s and, right and and t- yeah and exactly chris rock explained and so uh i guess i apologize <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to people find that you know like a an inaccurate representation I mean I like it from like a mythological standpoint I like that idea but I realize it's also a real belief system that people have so <laughs> sorry uh,
1: I, should, I shouldn't uh, my, laugh
0: my at B, the my um, I wonder if there's some like apocrypha that support this but like I didn't have time to get down into the weeds of, of like Christian apocrypha if anyone's like a super apocrypha expert HMU <laughs>
1: Yeah, I took a I took a religion class in college that actually compared the mythology of Hinduism with the mythology of Christianity. And that was one of the big points of differentiation, was that in Hinduism, you do get to see gods and goddesses as teenagers, kind of like tripping up and making mistakes. And Oh, that's funny. Yeah, like, uh, I specifically remember us having this conversation because there's like a, I think it was Vishnu, and he's like, trying to woo someone with a pan flute, and she's, like, super not interested. (laughs) She's just like, get away from me. And my professor was sort of talking about how interesting it is because in that religion, and again, totally not an expert, like, the least amount of expert, I mean, I'm like, don't even, I probably shouldn't even be saying any of this, but (laughs) that the idea was that, like, these are stories that people can relate to. And so you can kind of see Mm. your own humanity in your deities. I mean,
0: I've always thought that about the Greek pantheon, right? Right. Like, there's a lot of bad behavior in there. And you're like, yeah, probably Zeus is a super rapist because there's a lot of men back there who were super rapists, right? And they were like, hey, they're just like me.
1: Yeah. Or like the Norse gods are always like drinking heavily and like tricking each other. And you're like, (laughs) I "I guess (laughs) this is just what life was like. But they don't have that in Christianity And because Jesus is supposed to be this, like, perfect specimen, he's not supposed to be a human. He's supposed to be, you know, the perfect son of God. Well, he is
0: a human, right? It's like a 100% man, 100% God, somehow, at the same time.
1: Right. But, like, you know, you don't want to watch awkward Jesus teen years. I mean, I do, though. I I mean, it's, like, so charming. But a lot of people might not because that kind of changes the mythology around him. So, anyway, the Collins sisters' religion corner.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sorry. There's probably people who are just, like, banging their heads against the the surface closest to them being like, none of that was right. (laughs) Not even a little.
1: When you host a podcast about the fighting temptations and also nominally about a show that tackles, like, things that are related to religion, right? Like, we don't have a god in this show, but we do have a good place and a bad place and uh, some sort of moral compass. Then, you know, some of this stuff is going to come up. And we just got to embrace the fact that we get our religious training on other religions besides Judaism from the movie Dogma. It's (laughs) fine. And maybe one college class for one one of us. one college course that I took as a freshman. (laughs)
0: Oh, goodness gracious me. Yeah. Uh, until next week, um, I hope you enjoy the turndown service provided by our friendly otters. Knock, knock <laughs> uh, we
1: will see you next time, Ding Dongs. Knock, knock, knocking on door. Knock, knock, knocking on door. Knock, knock, knock I'm just gonna wait until yeah
0: hey brooklyn you guys got any more garbage
1: usually it's sirens so this is like different i'm giving <laughs> you this different. different sight sounds Oral and smells wallpaper. Of, of uh of brooklyn new york okay <laughs> i'm gonna All right. Going to focus in. I'm going to give you a couple more seconds and then I'm going to come in. Okay.